Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Thank you very much. Three hours in the books. One to go. It's the Danny Parkin Show. CBS Sports Radio. Radio.com Sports. Over 200 affiliates around the country. And Sirius XM 206. Interact with the network at CBS Sports Radio and myself at Danny Parkins on Twitter. It's been a wild night to be on the air. News, rumor, innuendo, coming and going, debates of who is a winner, who is a loser. Do we want super teams or are we ready for an era of parity in the NBA? Still waiting for the biggest domino to fall, and that is Kawhi Leonard as we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. There is one clear winner, and that is Brooklyn given that they got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And there is one clear loser, and that is the New York Knicks, given that they, well, didn't. But hey, they got Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, and Bobby Portis for their troubles. So joining us now is a man to talk about both those things. He is an up-and-coming superstar, but that's kind of disrespectful because that implies that he's not already a superstar in the media game, and he is. He is John Jastrzemski. You hear him sometimes on CBS Sports Radio. You hear him all the time on WFAN, the number one sports talk radio station in the world. You see him on SNY TV. He's filling in for Mike Francesa all this week. He is a diehard Knicks fan. He is a crazy New Yorker. JJ, no pleasantries, my man. No hi, how you doing? I'm just going to say this. New York Knicks. Go. Danny, I'm sick to my stomach, brother. And just think about this for a minute. The Knicks basically took Christos Porzingis. And say what you want about Porzingis, then whether or not he's going to hold up, whether or not he's going to flourish into that superstar player. They took a guy who made the all-star team, attached the bad contracts, got very little in return, and basically put themselves in a position. I don't want to hear about long-term rebuild. I don't want to hear about doing it right. They made that trade back in February, and it was very simple. Go get Kevin Durant. Go get Kyrie Irving. To not only whiff on both of those two players, but to see the other team in town. And you have to understand the Nick Net dynamic. And I know the Nets have just moved to Brooklyn, and they're trying to get buzz. Jay-Z was there. Nonsense. The Nets have never had buzz in this town. Well, Danny... That changed here on Sunday with Durant and Irving now going to Brooklyn. And the Nets, you know, they are the team that will have the buzz. They are the team that will have all the accolades, all the appeal. But for the Knicks, oh, it's Bobby Portis. It's Julius Randle. It's Taj Gibson. Go get it. What do you make of the report from Ramona Shelburne and Kevin Durant that James Dolan was not willing to offer Kevin Durant a max contract? Um, my thought on it is the ultimate damage control for Madison Square Garden. And let's be honest, Madison Square Garden and James Dolan never, and I mean never, deserve the benefit of the doubt. And not for nothing, you see that sort of story come out after the fact. 
regardless of whether or not it's true, it's the sort of story that is going to have big players and big free agents continuing to shy away from playing for the New York Knicks. Because it's, again, let's take the guy who didn't end up choosing my team and drag him completely in the mud. So, no, I don't buy that for a minute. And, it, indeed, that is true. And the Knicks were not willing to give the max to Kevin Durant. It blows my mind. Regardless of the Achilles, Danny, because what is the alternative for the franchise? I mean, I asked you, what is the alternative? Well, no, listen. I mean, the, the franchise that gave Joe Kim Noah four years, $72 million when he had no knee cartilage left can't turn around and say one of the top three players in the world when the entire league's willing to give him a max contract when Chris Middleton is signing for $178 million. Chris Middleton's 75% the player Kevin Durant is, and he got a max deal from Milwaukee. So even if Kevin Durant comes back at 75% of Kevin Durant, he still is worth a max contract. So I don't believe it. I feel like it's kind of like in high school, like when you uh, you knew the the hottest girl in school wasn't going to accept your invitation to prom. So you're just like, ah, I'm not going to ask her. Like, I feel like it's that sort of thing. Like you're just kind of rejecting yourself uh, before they actually have the opportunity to reject you because Kevin Durant clearly had no interest in going to the Knicks. But if it's true, it's the type of thing that should make you quit your fandom. Like it, it would just be indefensible. Well, let's be honest, Danny. The Knicks have been down this road so many times. I remember many moons ago it was LeBron James, right? LeBron, LeBron, the summer of LeBron. That blew up in their face. Then you hear about the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. And the reality of the situation is, you know, I realized this because over the weekend I worked with really talented kid, producer's 19 years old, this fan. And I just think about Danny. He doesn't remember Patrick Ewing. He doesn't remember John Starks and Charles Oakley. If you're like an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid growing up in New York City, you know what you know the New York Knickerbockers as? A dysfunctional joke. And I'll say this. The Cleveland Browns have been, in my opinion, over the last two decades, the worst franchise in all sports, what, since 1999, give or take? Well, I think the Knicks are ready to take that claim. I really do, because – Cleveland, I think, is on the up and up. They have their quarterback in Baker Mayfield. And I look around sports, I can't find a more dysfunctional, pathetic organization than the one that I root for with the Knicks. That's a good topic. What about the Marlins? You know what, Danny? As bad as the Marlins may be, they have two championships. And I know for many Knicks fans and Jeff fans, for that matter, and you lump a lot of them together, but I'm going to just, you know, exclude the Jets for a minute with Sam Donald. Let's just talk about the Knicks. If they had that championship in 2003 or in 1997, I think it would be a little bit easier to digest what they've watched over the last 15 years. Fair enough. Fair enough. But if you go 15 years, I'll include the Marlins. But you're right. If you go 25 years, the two titles definitely outweigh it. We're talking to John Jastrzemski, WFAN. He's in for Mike Francesa tomorrow. He's a diehard Nick fan. You'll also be talking Nets. Are there any Brooklyn Nets fans? Do they exist? Well, that's what I'm curious to find out. There are a very select few, I guess you could say. They're like a cult following. You know what I mean? Like, you have to understand the dynamic of New York sports and just the New York sports talk scene. Like, Danny, I would never in a million years, you know, in December or January, come on the air and break down a net game. That has dramatically changed. I mean, when you put Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant – on the same team together, what I 
expect is you will have a lot of the Johnny-come-latelys finding their way to Brooklyn. And I totally understand why. They're going to have a really exciting product on the floor. And I think we can now put to bed this whole notion of Madison Square Garden and the Mecca and the Knicks being this great allure as far as trying to get players to come here because that fails over and over again. I am curious to see if the Nets now with these two players, if indeed Kevin Durant comes back and ends up being the star we've seen for years in OKC and with the Golden State Warriors, how much must-see TV are they going to be? How much are they going to dominate the headlines? I mean, these are things that are going to play out, but if you look at the roster they have and you look at the roster the New York Knicks are going to be running out there, I don't care if it's a quote-unquote Nick town or not, the Nets will be the team that has to pause. And I'm curious in terms of directing anger, Kevin Durant pissed a lot of people off when he went to the team that beat him and it was seen as the easy way out to a ring, right? We killed KD for not having rings. Then when he gets rings, we say, ah, there's an asterisk. It was cheap. You weren't a competitor. Now he goes to the Nets when everyone in New York wanted him to go to the Knicks. Are New Yorkers going to even welcome Kevin Durant because he chose the wrong team? Interesting question. I think more Knicks fans will not take the blame out on Durant. They will take the blame out on ownership and really the way that things have been for the Knicks since, what, 2000, 2001. Whenever James Dolan took over in the 90s, late 90s, late 90s still had some good years. From 2001 on, it's just been a total nightmare. I think there will be some, Danny, saying, you know, you went to Brooklyn, you didn't take on the real challenge. Some Knicks fans will have that opinion. I think a majority of them, though, will not put the blame on Kevin Durant. They'll put the blame on the Knicks. So I put you in charge, right? I, I always say to fans, when you say, like, sell the team, it's just such a it's a sports talk radio thing. It's useless. Billionaires don't sell these teams. They come available like once every 10 years. So short of James Dolan selling the Knicks, I put John Jastrzemski of WFAN in charge. How do you fix the team? Jeez, you got to draft well. I mean, that sounds really simplistic, Danny. But if you look at the teams around the NBA that have turned around, they find players. And they don't necessarily always find players at one, two, or three in the draft. I mean, the Golden State Warriors are the perfect example of that. Look, they find Draymond Green the second round. Steph Curry, you remember our boy Johnny Flynn went ahead of Steph Curry, for goodness sakes. And, I mean, that's going to be one of the all-time, you know, NBA hot takes, what happened in Minnesota. If indeed, you know, Steph Curry ended up being the pick over Johnny Flynn. But you got to draft well. You have draft picks now. You need to hit on them. You need to find guys. You need to be patient as an organization. I'm already looking up at some of these contracts that they handed out. Yes, they're not really giving out much as far as a long-term commitment and whatnot, but when I see three power forwards being brought in and a guy that you took in the lottery last year, Kevin Knox, his best chance, I think, of being successful is probably being a stretch four. I mean, this is the sort of stuff that's going to set you back. You can't go for now after missing out on these big time difference making free agents the quick fix and I don't think you're going to see the Knicks do that and give out some you know four or five year deal to you know a Boogie Cousins type thankfully they didn't go down that road with Chris Middleton who's a nice player but he ends up staying in Milwaukee but Danny I know it's going to sound like a cop out 
And I, I can't promise you that, you know, Executive Kostremski would find gem after gem after gem in a draft, even though I'd like to think that I can. You know, I watch a lot of college basketball. Some guys I love, you hit on them. Other guys, you love them in college, and you're like, what the hell happened to him? Why is he out of the league in three or four years? But you need to find players. End of story. You draft well, you have a better chance of being successful, and you have to be patient. And then this is just more of an abstract question about the city that you call home. Where does basketball rank in the power rankings? Because I like to romanticize New York basketball and Rucker Park and tough point guards, but it doesn't feel like it resonates nearly as much as baseball and football. It's weird, Danny, because I go back to when I was growing up as a kid. And your Chicago Bulls were sticking it to my Knicks year after year, but every year the Knicks were relevant. Every year it felt like in April and May, the Yankees and the Mets took a back seat because you had Ewing and Starks and then Houston and Sprewell in the playoffs, and there was always a buzz around Madison Square Garden. 2012-2013, um, the only year I've been on the air at FAN in my, what, seven, eight years with the Knicks, had a legitimately good team. They won 54 games. They were a two-seed Easter conference with Carmelo Anthony. They beat the Celtics. They lost in six to the Indiana Pacers. Danny, that was the year in which I felt the buzz for the first time, and it was awesome because I was sitting there in February. You know, I'm not breaking down who the fifth starter of the Yankees is going to be. Yeah, we did a little of that, but the Knicks were seriously a topic. The Knicks fan dreamed about beating LeBron in the Miami Heat. They were into it, and there was a real passion about it, and – I would say that that romantic level of just, you know, fantasizing over New York and basketball and being this beautiful, you know, nirvana that it is, no, it's a far cry, man. Aside from that 2012-2013 season, it's been a whole lot of years, man, where by the time you hit January and February, you're just looking to fast forward and get right to the baseball season. Yeah, and that's that makes New York like basically every other city in the country when it comes to basketball, because you guys will obsess over a fifth starter on a Yankees. If the Yankees are bad and you'll talk Eli, if the giants are having a five win season, but if the Knicks are bad, they become irrelevant. Well, and here's the problem. They've been so bad, like trade deadline time, like the Porzingis trade. We did, you know, a good week, two, three, on it because of what a lot of Knicks fans thought it was going to mean sure. for this summer. You know what I mean? Like, so you'll get into the ineptitude, Dolan going out and getting into it with that fan when it comes to selling the team. But just it's difficult for people in this area, you know, and this is where the Knicks could run into trouble, although they shouldn't because they pack the building every single night no matter what. They run into trouble in the sense that – by the time you have February and March, there is just really nothing to say about the team. They're awful. They're a 20-win team. In some instances, they have guys on the roster who aren't going to be there. So my hope is at the very least now, R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, Lonzo Trier. I'd love to say they're going to be a part of some big things here with the New York Knicks, but I'm sorry. After what I've watched for the last two decades, it's just impossible for me to have that sort of optimistic take. I can't. You're filling in for Mike Francesa tomorrow. Your your lead should be you're done being a Knicks fan. You are buying Nets season tickets. That's your that's your oh, lead I tomorrow. But I, I can't I can't do that. That would be as far. Listen, Danny, it would be entertaining. I would probably get a lot of buzz for it, but it would also come across as one of the most fraudulent things I've ever done. Although, Danny, I will tell you this. 
as a native of Brooklyn, and considering I can walk now to the Barclays Center, it'll take me about 20, 25 minutes, it is a little bit more appealing for me on like a random January, February night, moving from Staten Island to Brooklyn. If I want to go in two years and watch Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, I can do that. Who cares if it's a little shameless? The Knicks deserve no, it. They deserve it. Listen, as much as they suck, dude, I, I, I can't, bro. They I haven't can't. earned your, your business. Team. They haven't earned your fandom. It's not It's not a scarlet letter. It's not a tattoo. It doesn't have to be permanent. You've got options. Yeah, I just, I, I can't. I will probably find myself rooting against the Nets. That's just the way it goes. I'll root for them to be good. I'll root for them to be relevant. But, you know, it's not your team. It, it, it'd be the same deal of me, you know, trying to dabble with a different football team. You know this, Danny. I will find teams that are financially beneficial, if you know what I mean. So I'm sure there will be a team in two in the NBA or a team or two in the NFL that gets you through one of those years. But just hopping on the Brooklyn bandwagon, no, I, I, I can't do it. Okay, I'm just telling you that's what Brooklyn is, right? It's for hipsters. It's for Johnny Come Lately. So you can jump on, jump off. It's it's just an idea. Think about it. That's John Jastrzemski, WFAN in New York, filling in for Mike Francesa. He's taking over the city. JJ, appreciate you staying up late with us, man. We'll talk to you soon. Danny, anytime, man. I need a drink. Seriously. Take care, bro. That's John Jastrzemski, diehard Knicks fan. Man, Brooklyn's all about hipsters and new age. You know, I'm new here and it wasn't here 10 years ago when it was hot. Okay. So, when the Knicks get good, go back. I'm not saying I would do it, but for JJ, you live there, send the message. It's the only way you get a message about it. It's the only time you got power as fans. You can speak with your wallet. Well, if they're going to keep back in the building, what incentive do they have to change anything up? A bunch of Knicks fans start becoming Nets fans. Like If all of a sudden uh, John McEnroe and Howard Stern... And uh, Tracy Morgan starts showing up at Barclays Center instead of Madison Square Garden. That's how you'll know. The Knicks are losing their juice and there's actually some accountability happening. We got last but not least in 20 minutes. We'll squeeze in some calls. NBA free agency. We're going rapid fire. Next is the Danny Parkin Show. CBS Sports Radio. This is the Danny Parkin Show. And I very much appreciate you listening to the Danny Parkin Show, where CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is 855-212-4227. It's brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. I'm reading a piece from Marcus Thompson at The Athletic, which is just beautifully written about uh, what could have been with Curry and Durant and how Steph Curry was flying to New York from his Under Armour promotional sh- uh, shoot in Asia when he got word on the plane that Durant had chosen the Nets. He continued on to New York, went to Durant's apartment. They met face-to-face, and he thanked him for the three years of being teammates. Um, by the way, Patrick Beverly has signed a three-year deal to stay with the Los Angeles Clippers. Three years, $40 million. Patrick Beverly tweeting out a bunch of emojis, uh, hands up in the prayer symbol, a bunch of hearts, and then a whole bunch of bags with dollar signs on it. So Patrick Beverly got paid. But um, I find the Durant situation so fascinating. Durant has been mocked and ridiculed A bunch of times over, but I've got to admit, in a weird way, I relate to Kevin Durant. And I am not saying, in terms of 
my level of talent or lack thereof, certainly not in terms of fame, money, pressure, or anything like that. I am strictly speaking about age and the generation of which we are a part. He's 28, I'm 32. We are of the social media technology millennial generation. Kevin Durant hears his critics. You could have a thousand people tell you you had the greatest, ra- you had a great radio show, love listening to you. One person says something, and sometimes it just sticks in with you. And that's what Durant was and has seemingly been with the burner accounts and clapping back at the media and punching down. And I've been known to get into a Twitter fight and punch down a time or two. And you work on it and you try to block out the noise and focus on what really matters. And KD has too. But it seems like what he's done here is heard the criticism about not having a ring in Oklahoma City. Went to the place that was the best for him to get those rings. Then heard the criticism about the rings that he had. Lashes out with the great, you know who I am. I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. And then, in order to prove his toughness, plays through an injury, which we all applaud him for, even if it was absolutely devastating to his basketball future, his future earnings, all that stuff. So then he's back in our good graces for being tough, and then he goes to the Nets, and why does he go to the Nets, and who does he go there with? His best friends in the league. Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan. Kevin Durant just wants to play ball with his friends and win. And maybe playing ball with his friends, and Marcus Thompson wrote this great piece at The Athletic, is the number one draw for him. And I can just tell you, like, keeping a close circle, hearing noise on the outside, being around people that you like, it's it's relatable. I think a lot of people would be able to relate to both those insecurities and those desires from Kevin Durant. And so now it's going to be fascinating. Big city, big pressure. All of the credit will go to him if they win. All of the blame will go to him if they don't. And he now gets to do something or try to do something that he hasn't done. Win a title on his team. Even if he was the best player on those Warriors team and the best player in the finals as evidenced by the two finals MVP trophies. It was always going to be Steph Curry's team. He was introduced last. He got the last ring. He got the biggest ovation. He had won a title before he had gotten there. Same thing with LeBron in Miami. LeBron was the best player on the Heat, but it was not Miami-Dade County. It was Miami-Wade County. It's the same thing in the Bay Area with Steph. The Nets have no history. They have no legacy. So if KD can go to Brooklyn with his friends and win a title there... That's something that he hasn't had. He's chasing a legacy more than a ring. Raptors fans killed me for saying, hey, listen, great title, congratulations. There's no asterisk in the record books, but all titles are not created equal in terms of NBA history and significance. LeBron winning one for Cleveland, being the leading scorer, or being the leading statistical man in all five uh, categories for both teams and coming back from down 3-1, that's an NBA championship that will be talked about 50 years from now. The Raptors won't be talked about five years from now. Kevin Durant 
If he goes and gets one in Brooklyn with his people, that'll be a legacy cementing thing. That it's not it's not what you win, it's how you win it. It's going to be fascinating to see how he does this and he's taken a lot of crap for being so insecure, so public, so confrontational. To me, I I would rather you be yourself and be real than be fake and be someone you're not and be humble, right? Like I always say, give me real arrogance over fake humility. Man, Kevin Durant's letting you in to see who he is. Little insecure, little obsessed with social media, cares a little too much what other people think. But world-class talent, competitive, holds grudges, loyal, small circle, loves playing with his friends. It's a, you're seeing the evolution of the millennial superstar athlete who we've all watched since he was the 18 year old at Texas who couldn't bench press 175 once at the combine. I found it to be a fascinating career arc. So just from that human side of it, I love that he's going to Brooklyn because it's the next chapter in a fascinating odyssey of a world-class athlete. We'll do last but not least coming up next. This is the Danny Parkin Show. With time running out, we still have a few questions we didn't get answers to. Danny Parkins gives us his thoughts on a couple of different stories in this week's edition of Last But Not Least. Welcome back into the Danny Parkin Show. Love ending the show. Last but not least, if any NBA free agency news breaks, I will report it and we'll break into this here. But looks like we are slowing down. The most recent news is Patrick Beverly back to the Clippers on a three-year, $40 million deal. But I have my producer asking me some questions about stories that we couldn't get to over the course of the show. It was dominated by NBA free agency today. So I turned it over to my man, Antonio Grillo. All right, thanks, Danny. So the first story I want to get to, DeAndre Baker, a cornerback and first-round first pick of the New York Giants, shared a video on so- social media giving his mother a, the gift of a Bentley as a thank you for all she's done for him. Instead of universal praise, Br- Baker got a lot of criticism from NFL writers and other types for being financial, fiscally irresponsible. Is this criticism warranted? No. I... I was appalled, frankly. You had people grandstanding with blue checks next to their name, left and right, counting this man's money. Being, That's a bad investment. This is why athletes go broke. You're a rookie, and you're buying your mom a Bentley. That's a bad – buy real estate. Invest in bonds. Shut up. The Bentley's worth, call it 150, 200 grand. Okay? Depending on the options, it could have been as cheap as 100, as, most, as much as 200. DeAndre Baker signed a four year contract worth $10.5 million. Nine of it guaranteed. Nine million guaranteed. He got a $5.675 million signing bonus. So when he signed on the dotted line, the direct deposit got hit. For $5.6 million. Now, I know taxes, agent fees. The guy's got over $2.5 million in his bank account right now. He can afford to buy his mom a $200,000 car after all she's done for him. Stop counting his money. And, hey, also, 
Gifts are not supposed to be investments. Right? When's the last gift that you gave anybody that was a good investment for you? Oh, that Bentley's got depreciating value. Cool. The story was that his mom drove like an old beater car to all of her jobs to help support him and the family, and he wanted to upgrade her ride. I, how could anyone watch that video and not get emotional and think of, man, that's just a story of a kid made good and try to rain on that parade is beyond me. And like, if DeAndre Baker bought 22 Bentleys, we could have a conversation about financial literacy and athletes. But if he buys one Bentley when he's got two and a half million in the bank, he's fine. Stop raining on that man's parade and counting his money and just being a broke, jealous herb. What's next? All right. So the Major League Baseball All-Star Game rosters were announced. And some of the starters include first-time All-Stars such as Ketel Marte of the Diamondbacks, Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves, Carlos Santana of the Indians, and Jorge Polanco of the Twins. However, even like some of the two most highly touted free agents from this past offseason, Manny Machado, who went to the Padres, and Bryce Harper, who went to the Phillies, were not even included on the reserves roster. So what were your main takeaways from the from the baseball all-star selections? Well, there were there were quite a few. Um one, it's cool that there's all that money attached to the home run derby now. Like Josh Bell makes six hundred grand and he can make a million bucks for winning the home run derby. So that's cool, and that'll make that event even more intense. Um, the number of newcomers. Baseball's in a weird spot, man, because the game is so regionalized that it's so popular in places where the team is good, right? If the Pirates become good, their Pirates are popular. Royals became good, Royals popular. There's very few places where the teams are just wildly popular in the city regardless of their success, right? Cardinals in St. Louis, Cubs in Chicago, Red Sox in Boston, Yankees in New York, maybe a couple of others. But it's such a regionalized sport that if you're a big Red Sox fan in Boston, you're not really checking for what's going on with the Diamondbacks or the Phillies. So I bet you there's going to be a lot of good baseball fans that don't know any of these names. 31 of the 64 All-Stars are new. You look at the National League starters – Nolan Arenado is making his third start in an all-star game at third base. No one else on the NL team has more starts. There's no 8, 10 on the National League side. It's all a bunch of newcomers. There's some twos like Wilson Contreras and Javi Baez, but it's just a bunch of first-timers everywhere. So that tells me that the game is in a great place in terms of its talent, but, man, it's just everything else with baseball that it's still in such conflict with. And also... The Dodgers are awesome. Like, Max Muncy, a snub, three starters, uh, all make the, made the team just loaded, loaded roster top to bottom. Not that you needed the all-star roster to tell you that, but, yeah, that is a that is a ridiculous lineup. So my main takeaways were about the, the sheer number of newcomers to the event, the money in the derby, and how stacked the Dodgers are. And th- it's going to be a Dodger show uh, at the All-Star game. What's next? We're doing last but not least. Antonio's asking the questions. We are going to go back to the NBA where Nikola Miritich reportedly had 45 to $50 million contract offers over three years to play in the NBA. The Utah Jazz have to be one of those teams who are interested. But however, plot twist, 
he decided to go back to the EuroLeague and play for the club Barcelona. Kind of seems like he wanted to be the league guy on a team. However, there really wasn't an opportunity for that in the NBA. So do you understand the move of Miritich going back to Europe? Don't mess with Happy. And I was in Chicago when Nico Miritich was on the Bulls when he got into the fight with Bobby Portis and he broke his jaw. And it was telling that all of his teammates rallied around Bobby Portis, who broke Nico's jaw. Nico is just a eccentric dude, different kind of cat. Didn't really fit in. Then he goes to New Orleans. Then he goes to Milwaukee. That's really tough, man. European guy, come to America, clearly good enough to play. But when you were back in your home country, you're the man. You're the superstar. When you're here, fish out of water, and you don't have a lot of the same experiences and backgrounds as other guys, tougher to relate to, tougher to make friends, tougher to fit in. And then you're good enough to stay in the league. You're good enough to get paid, but you're not good enough to really find a home. Even though he would have found a three-year home finally, it would have been his fourth team in two years. So he's going to make about... 33% what he reportedly could have made playing in the U.S., but still make millions of dollars, four or five million bucks. Be the best player on his team. Be culturally comfortable. Have more friends. It's basically don't mess with happy. That's what it is. And while I would be a little bit more unhappy for the 15 million a year, I think you kind of got to respect it. There aren't many moves like that in the prime of your life when people are turning down $45, $50 million guaranteed. So I think it was just a cultural fit for Nico Miritich. And he said, I got enough money. I'm making enough money playing basketball, but nothing else in my life makes me happy over here. Everything else would make me happy over there. So he's going to go do it. I think Nico Miritich chose happiness over money. What's up? What's la- what's the last one? Last one. We're taking it to your hometown of Chicago. Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky is suddenly getting some love on being bet as next year's MVP of the NFL. In a span of 24 hours, the betting odds for Trubisky went from 200 to one to 50 to one. Now you can make a fair argument as to why he would be an attractive bet. A. He's a quarterback. B. The Bears are a good team. C. If both Trubisky and the Bears improve from last year's 12 and four campaign, he would have a really solid chance. So with that being said, what are you making the move? Of Trubisky's MVP odds next year jumping from 200 to 1 to 50 to 1. I take some credit for it. As soon as the news came out at the Westgate, I tweeted about it. I said it was ridiculous. I don't think Mitch Trubisky's going to win the MVP, but he was 200 to 1, and Marcus Mariota, Lamar Jackson, and Jameis Winston were 100 to 1. That's laughable. The Bears could be the best team in the NFL. Maybe, maybe not. But if you're the best team in the NFL and you're in a big market, the quarterback's going to be in conversation for MVP if he has a good year. He's got great skill position talent around him. He's got a great offensive head coach, and he's in the second year of that system, third in the league. Pat Mahomes was in Andy Reid's system for two years. Deshaun Watson was in the system for a couple of years, and then he had the injury. Jared Goff made his big jump when he was in uh, – Sean McVay's system in his second year. Carson Wentz made his big jump when he was in the same system in his second year. 
running an NFL offense is like speaking a foreign language. You can do it on a rudimentary level at the beginning, but you need more time and practice in order to be fluent in it. That's why it takes an extra year for these guys to really break out. So I think Mitch Trubisky, now that he's in the second year in the system, is ready to break out. Will he be Pat Mahomes? Probably not. Would I bet Andrew Luck over him? Yeah. But Pat Mahomes was 4-1. to one, Andrew Luck's 8-1. to one. Mitch Trubisky was 200-1. to one. So what did I do? I tweeted about it. There was nowhere for me to bet it. It was only at the Westgate in Vegas. And then Prop Swap came along. Someone actually made a $50 bet on Trubisky at 200 to 1 for $10,000. And what did I do? I bought that ticket. Put my money where my mouth was. Offered the dude 110 bucks. He accepted. So he got to get a 220% return on his 50 bucks. He turned 50 into 110. And now I've got Mitch Trubisky at 90 to 1. You can find him at 50 to 1 at your local sports book. I got him at 90 to 1. 110 bucks to win $10,050. Mitch Trubisky, NFL MVP this year. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I'd bet Andrew Luck. But should Mitch Trubisky have higher odds than Kyler freaking Murray? Of course he should. Second year in an offense that's talented with a good coach and a great team in a big city, that guy's got a shot to win MVP. Thank you to John Fass for the updates. Antonio Grillo, Brian McKeon, and Dave Edinger for making me sound so good and getting me on the air. Dan Wojcicki from the LA Times. Sean Hyken from Bleacher Report. And John Jastrzemski from WFAN were my guests. I'm off next week. Thanks for hanging out. Follow me on Twitter at Danny Parkins. This is the Danny Parkins Show, CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.